Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy and Santa, and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it on your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android and is free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. This episode is also brought to you by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was living his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay, and I am sitting here with Brandon Scales. Brandon is an actor, a producer, a real estate agent. He's a man who wears many hats, and in the film industry, I think that can definitely be a plus. Would you say so, Brandon? I would definitely say so, Matt. So, um, we were specifically going to talk today about acting, and okay. uh, many, many people want to be actors Yes. They want to break into the industry. Yes. Uh, Rui, who is... Well, just to give a little background, uh, Brandon and myself and Rui Lopes, who I did a uh, podcast with last week, um, we all did a short film together called HR. Yes. Under the umbrella of Anawan Street Productions, which is out of Brockton, Massachusetts, of which you are a resident. Yes, Brockton, Massachusetts. Uh and um, now you're not officially uh, a partner with Animon, but you do work with them. Uh, yeah, I'm not officially a partner, but um, I work closely with Animon uh, to, you know, help uh, develop uh, stories and uh, and you know different projects, and um, you know it's been incredible. 
Yeah, I um, and we'll we'll spend a whole other podcast just talking about how we yeah. worked together and all that, which worked out great. We had our premiere. We actually got to watch the actual finished product, which yeah. Uh, yeah, is always man. a little in doubt when you start a project. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It is. You know, it the the, the project was just uh, incredible. It was incredible to work on. Um, you know, incredible cast. Um, very happy when Matt came to us, and uh, he had this idea. And he had this vision, and to, to see everyone's hard work go into it, and to see Matt's vision go from his mind onto a screen was just a blessing in itself. And it was just great to be along the ride. Yeah, it's very gratifying, but, um, and we'll get into this next time. A lot of hard work, a yeah. lot of uh, tedious grinding, got to get food for everybody, yeah. got to get everybody to set, yeah. got to get props, and uh, some of it's not so glamorous. Everyone did great, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you have, uh, you've been in three or four pretty major motion pictures. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, my first was, uh, well, my first as a principal actor was in Patriot's Day, but, I mean, I did a, a number of uh, uh, extra jobs, background acting before that. That's pretty much how I was able to get the principal work. So uh, a lot of people want to be actors. Yeah. They really want to break into the business. Uh, yeah. How did you end up on your first film set? Um, so I, you know, just, you know, a quick little summary about myself before that was I was working at a bank and very uh, unhappy with you know, my performance at the bank and just unhappy with where I was in my life, you know, not being able to make ends meet. And uh, so when I left the bank, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I had seen a post online uh, through Boston Casting, Boston Casting, uh, Angela Perry, uh, bless her, bless her so much. But I saw that post, and it was for extra work in the role um, as a wedding guest in the movie Ted 2. Ah, yeah, Ted 2. So I played a wedding guest um, in that movie, spent five days on set, and, uh, you know, it was great. So that was my my first. So, how much does um, an extra typically make in a movie like that? Well, I mean, as an extra, you can expect to make minimum wage. Uh, it's a minimum wage paying job. I mean, as a non-union extra uh, with uh, no experience, it's your first minimum wage. So, there is a... Whenever there's postings online, Boston Casting or whatever, they always do differentiate union and non-union. Yeah. Meaning, if you could explain to our audience what that means. So, uh, a, a non-union uh, background extra is someone who is not represented by the Screen Actors Guild. And so, uh, they are uh, the, the extras who are brand new. Uh, or they just haven't gotten enough uh, work behind themselves in order to join a union. Uh, the union actors or background actors uh, or actors in general are actors who are represented by the Screen Actors Guild um, and the Screen Actors Guild uh, makes sure that certain uh, certain things are 
given to you if needed. So your pay is increased, you're paid more, uh, um, productions are charged if they don't feed you on time, they're charged uh, for uh, during the hours of shooting. So, you know, after 8 p.m., it's a nighttime premium and then you get into double nighttime. So it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, the union's very uh, useful in, you know, making sure, you know, the productions are, you know, taking care of the uh, actors who are, you know, working tirelessly. Yeah, I guess, um, and not, not to say anything bad about directors or anything, but in my experience, directors will just kind of keep going. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's not just the directors, it's the producers. There's a lot on the line. And, I mean, we have to understand that um, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot of money on the line. And so when when you have that amount of money on the line, it's 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 it, it becomes very stressful if extra money has to be spent on top of all the money that's being spent now. And then the question comes into know where are we going to get the money if, if we don't get the shot um you know we have to make day and it's important um in order to stay on budget that that happens so directors tend to not think about you know the times and stuff like that lunch yeah lunch yeah right like which is i i just find it you know as i worked as a grip and uh it's just sort of a way of keeping production honest like yes. we have to stop after six hours so everybody can eat. Yes. Otherwise, we will shoot for twelve hours and we'll just kind of keep plowing. It's true. And on. I mean, you know, when we're all in the mode and we're all in the zone and we've all been there, uh, you know, sometimes we don't even think about eating. Right. You know, and if if someone isn't there to make sure that, you know, we're we're stopping, we're taking those necessary breaks, especially when you start working with minors. Um, and children, it's a whole other world uh, of uh, regulations that you have to follow. Um, we don't think about it, um, and we don't think about how long we're keeping people on set. And um, so, it's important that someone is there to make sure that we're staying on time. Yeah, and like you were saying with meals, like we called them meal penalties, and it was like yes. I don't know, fifteen twenty dollars per person. Yes, per fifteen minutes. Yes, which is a hit. Oh, yeah, and that really adds up. And, you know, to me, you know, $15 was, you know, not whatever, but it's not $1,000. But to production, yes, I mean, you could be talking thousands of dollars. Because you, you have to multiply. Yeah. But, again, it's to be like, hey, we got to stop. we got to eat. Exactly. So. Exactly. And, it's, I mean, someone has to be there in order to make sure that happens. Because, like I said, I mean, we're all doing what we love. We're in a mode. We're in a zone. And we're just going. And we're not really thinking. And so... Uh, it's important that, that 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 happens for sure. Well, and I think it's important to remember that, uh, and I remember this during like the writers' strike um, in New York. Well, it was in L.A., but it kind of bled over everywhere. So, like, you know, if they're not, a lot of people thought of that as like, God, these are all these overpaid actors who want more money, and it was really affecting grips, electrics, produce uh, not producers, but. Well, I mean, it was affecting them, but production assistants, carpenters, like all these people who really depend on those shows to make their livelihood. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's that's one of the, the great things that I love about this business. And, you know, you had mentioned that I do real estate, and I do compare uh, um, the film business 
to real estate um, because I look at each movie almost like a, a property, a home, and you know, real estate puts everyone to work. It puts electricians and carpenters and plumbers and you know, uh, furniture makers and roofers and you know, carpet people and cabinet makers. It puts everything to work, and it's the same thing with the film business. We put actors to work, directors, producers, writers. Uh, all different types of artists and props people and caterers and so um, that's one of the joys about you know being able to work in this business is that it encompasses a lot and you can create a lot of jobs for people um, if it's done uh, right yeah and and the filmmaker I think also needs to be aware that it might be his or her passion yeah and they'll work 18 hours but for somebody else this is their job Yes. And they're not really going to reap the benefits afterwards. So you got to treat them as like, hey, this is not their life. Like, this is their job. And they do a good job. But, like, like we say, after six hours, this person's got to eat. Yeah. And, and we can't work them 20 hours. You know, you... I mean, I, I did that. I think I pulled... 27 hours once on a music video. I mean, it was hard as a PA. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't get paid overtime. That's tough. That's that's definitely tough. I mean, but, you know, you said something very important. And, you know, when it comes to uh, actors, uh, people who want to be actors, I mean, I, I, I can really only speak from my own experience. And just for, for, for people, I think that it's important that they look at it as a job. Mm-hmm. Now, we are doing something that we love, and, and we are, but, I mean we have to really look at it as a business um in order for us to 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 be sustainable um we have to we have to get paid i mean it it costs money and and in order for us to get paid uh we have to perform a service and it's important that we understand that we have a service and we have a job to do um and we have to be ready for our job and ready for our opportunity and I mean that's kind of I mean that's really how I got started is just by being ready for my opportunity. Well, I think there is so much about it that is very hard to do, and if you don't, if you only see it as something fun that you'll enjoy, there's a lot of it that is not particularly enjoyable. It's very hard work. Yeah. So if you view it as a job or work, maybe not a you know, I don't know if those two are interchangeable, but if this is my work. Okay, then I have to get up on a Saturday morning and I have to write out uh, a shot list. I have to write a props list. We have to go to Walmart and get craft services. Like, we have to do all those things that are not fun. Exactly. So, if it's your job, right, then it's... I think, you know, people understandably watch movies, watch TV shows, and think, oh, I really enjoy those. I'd like to do that. Yeah. And out of those maybe 100 people, maybe two of them will do the hard work. Yes. And, and I mean, you know, I, I would like to say more of them would, would, would put the work in. Um, maybe two of them would actually be consistent with the work enough in order to see it through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's tough because, man, I mean, in order to really be able to live out your dream or live out a goal, I mean, you have to be ready to just give up everything. And you have to be ready to give up friendships. And you can't do what everyone else does. And you just have to be okay with that. You can't eat what everyone else eats. And you can't 
rest as much everyone else rests and you can't uh, uh, you can't respond in anger like everyone else would to things I mean, you really have to you know uh, be modest you know humble down and make yourself less important um, in order to see your dream come to life in order to because sometimes we want a dream but we put other things before that dream um, so in order to really work as an actor you have to travel to travel you need to have money now I know a lot of people say I don't have money I don't have money but if we think about things that we spend on our lifestyle not things that we need but just lifestyle mm-hmm. things we have to have a pack of cigarettes or a drink of alcohol or we have to go go out to dinner and this and that mm-hmm. when it comes time to travel we should be able to have the, the, the funds in order to, to be able to do that and if we don't then we have to blame ourselves so it's important that we see this as lessons that we have to learn as uh, so being being able to to take risks smart calculated risks being able to sacrifice is really what's going to see your dream through to the end i mean if you're worried about paying uh, national grid this month um you know this may not be the business for you you know, if you're if, if if you're worried about making your ends meet for the time being now, this may not be the business for you. You know, um, and it's it, it it's tough to say it that way, and I hate to say it that way, mm-hmm. but you know, if it if you if I don't say it that way, then people will think, well, then I can do this part time. Now, you can you can do it part time, but in order to be to, to do it part time, then it's going to take a tribe of people around you to help you to help get you there. You know, to keep your spirits up. To you know, it, I mean, if not, you know, literally, like me, I seen a post on Craigslist. I went there. No one. I, I didn't have gas in my car. I ran out of gas literally on the way to the fitting couldn't make the fitting that day and had to reschedule my fitting which they were so gracious enough to do yeah you know but i couldn't get there i couldn't i didn't have anyone to call i didn't have anyone to help me out yeah you know i didn't even have bus money literally all i had was the no gas in my car and i i still drove there to do that i've i've my car has literally died on the way to work when i say work i mean on the way to set um you know and i've showed up late embarrassing you know but you know that's what happened and so if 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 i chose to do it part-time i would have never got anywhere man i literally had to open up my whole entire availability for that one opportunity to come yeah if i had said well you know being at work is more important you know i need to i need to go back and get my bank job back and i can do this part-time you know, I can do this at night. That opportunity might have went to someone else. I might not have gotten that opportunity because I didn't put myself there where I needed to be in order to get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's extremely important that we understand that because if we think that, well, I can do this part time, and you can do a part time, I'm just saying that you narrow the window of your opportunity, and it's and and you know, 
who knows when that opportunity is going to come. Yeah, well, we had people who uh, didn't take the you know a role in, in uh, our film because they had to work or they had other obligations or whatever. And, you know, that's fine. And and again, it, it you know may turn into absolutely nothing. And people would say, well, you know, that wasn't going to be anything. Uh, and they would be a hundred percent right. I don't know. We're still kind of in the middle of that process, but. Some people are willing to make that choice, and some people are not. I mean, some people would like to have a $60,000 car and pay $500 a month for that car, and that's fine. Yeah. But you have to make sacrifices. Exactly. I mean, if you're not willing to, you know, drive a beat-up Honda, this might not be the business for you. Yeah. You know? Well, and the problem is, I think everybody sees... And, and it's all they can see is the success on the other end. Oh, yeah. They oh, never yeah. see the running out of gas <laughs> on the way oh, to yeah. the fitting. You know, like, how are they ever going to see that? It's the truth. You I know? mean, and it, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you, you know, you came over here to Anawan and we're able to talk about this because I think people sometimes get the business misconstrued. I mean, even the millionaires, even the billionaires, I mean, they started off with nothing. Even Bill Gates, I mean, you know, he had his parents, God bless him, they helped him out, but he still had to start in, like, a garage or something like that, or wherever he started. And make a choice to drop out of Harvard. Small. Um, which most people would say, you're nuts for, you get made it into Harvard University, why would you ever drop out of that? But he did. Listen, The Rock started Seven Bucks Productions, and that was named after the $7 that he had in his pocket to his name. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's, it's, it's really that part of it that's the beautiful part of it that we don't really understand. Now, once we attain the success, then we're like, wow, you know, I'm successful and I have all of these things. And then you start to become unhappy having, you know, money and having things going partying. And, you know, you really start to see a lot of people that you have around you aren't really there for your own best interest, but there for their own. Mm-hmm. And so then, you, you know, you start to look back and you start to appreciate the struggle and you start to appreciate everything that you had to go through to get there and it means that much more to you when you have it. A friend of mine in uh, New York some years ago, he started doing grip work for Spike Lee. Yeah. And this was after uh, it was a big bank movie with Clive Owen. They robbed the bank. Denzel um, Washington's in it. Inside I, Man? Yeah, Inside Man. Yeah. And he'd had some other huge Hollywood productions. Yeah. And he quit. He left that, came back to Brooklyn, and was doing these small productions, his own thing. Yeah, yeah. And my friend Rick was kind of like, I forget how he how he got the job, but like, you know, I lived in Brooklyn at the time, so did Rick. So Spike Lee's office was it was in Greenpoint, which is not far. You know, we'd walk over. I didn't know his office was there, but I was talking to Rick, and he's like, Yeah, his office is right over there. So you know, he he worked the production, and then he was kind of like. You know, he got to know him a little bit, would be at the production office. And I don't know if he asked him directly or asked one of his guys who had um, been with him for a while. But he was kind of like, why is Spike Lee back doing these, like, $500,000 movies? Like, what? And he just apparently disliked the Hollywood system so much that he had... And I'm, I'm pro- I may be getting some of this wrong. This was years ago Rick told me this. But it would kind of boil down to, like people telling him how to make his movies in Hollywood when he's yeah. like, I already know how to, like, I may do the right thing when I was in, at NYU. Yeah. 
like I, I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. And just not liking the system and yeah. wanting to do his own thing. And I mean, I understand that. I mean, I understand Spike Lee's point of view, um, where you know you want to have that creative uh, freedom, um, and you know at the same time, I mean, I do sympathize with the studios. Uh, to a degree because, I mean, they're putting up the money, mm-hmm. um, and when you're spending that amount of money, there's a lot on the line. I mean, you could lose a lot, and they have lost a lot before, so they tend to be very tight with the types of movies that they choose to make. They, you know, would rather <clears throat> stick with uh, genres that they know are going to sell big. Um, I think that's why sequels are so huge. They sequels, I mean, we're on part nine of Fast and the Furious. They got a built-in audience. Great, I mean, great franchise, by the way. I mean, incredible, you know, what those guys have been able to, to accomplish and do. Um, but, you know, the movies that were made when we were younger, you know, Color Purple and, you know, Back to the Future, would those movies have been made today coming to America? Now they're doing a Coming to America sequel, but that's because it did well then. Right, they're going to do a sequel to Coming to they're America. Doing, they're working I, I on did. a sequel for Coming to America. <laughs> Are they having Arsenio Hall back? Arsenio Hall is wow. back. Uh, wow. Eddie Murphy is back, as far as I'm, I, I know. So well, I think Eddie Murphy is just—I mean, he's a draw anyway. He's—he's he's yeah. genius with what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, you, I could watch his bloopers and be entertained. I mean, I love everything. He's one of those he people like he and Bill Murray. I could watch them eat a meal. And I would be entertained by it. Literally. You know, I mean, just the guys, the guys are great. Guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, I understand, you know, how Spike Lee feels. And, I mean, I see both sides of the equation, you know, being able to work in front of the camera and being able to work behind it. And, you know, when you work behind it, you know, and when you're, you know, running a company, you know, you have to always think about bottom line. And, you know, sometimes the director's vision, uh, it butts heads with people who are in charge of the bottom line because you know they're worried about you know returns and you know they have shareholders and they have people that they need to you know make sure are are happy so you know it's a it's a fine line but I will say that there's no better feeling than being able to do it on your own Mm -hmm. and put it out on your own and when you start that process all the way through to completion and you get it in front of an audience, that's gratifying. That feels good. It's amazingly gratifying. Um, yeah. and, and so uh, if, if Spike Lee ch- chooses to go and do that to get that gratifying feeling again, and it, it might take him back to the time when all he had was just him and his camera, and he was walking around New York with his camera. You know. Well, it's like what you were saying. You get there and you're surrounded by people who don't have your vision or interests at heart and that is not ultimately satisfying to you true. I mean if you really want the money then you have to do what they tell you to do exactly if you can say look I'm okay I mean I'm sure Spike Lee is pretty financially comfortable and doesn't need a whole lot of I mean may not have a 16 million dollar Malibu estate I mean I just respect so. what he's doing I mean he's also a professor mm-hmm. um, yeah. at uh, I don't want to get the name of the college wrong. Um, I knew I he was a professor. I didn't. I don't know want where to say was. Morehouse or anything. I'm not sure, but I know he's a college professor, and he's giving back. He's teaching. You know, all too often, you know, big directors they learn the information, and I think that when you learn the information, you gotta give back. 
teach someone else the information and pass it along, pass it on, so other people can continue to to, to make these stories and you know do these great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for me, it started very small. It started very small as an extra. You know, we're good. Uh, uh, no, I just always periodic. I get a little cool. paranoid that we're doing okay with this. You can edit that part out, Tom. Uh, or leave it in. I don't care. Uh, we, um, yeah, so to get back to you. So you're a TED 2, you're an extra, and yeah. then... So I'm an extra. I do the movie TED. And when I was sitting there, I just felt like... When I mean sitting there, I was sitting on set um, as a wedding guest uh, when Ted the Bear and his wife were getting married. And Mark Wahlberg walks in. And I remember when I saw Mark Wahlberg, I mean, it's like the first time I really saw someone that I normally see on TV walk past me. And he walked up there and he stood up on the, the altar there. And I just thought to myself, like, wow, man, like, this guy has a great job. Don't forget, I told you, I worked at a bank. I used to sit behind that teller line all day and stare out the window and wonder, like, wow, why am I sitting in this building for eight hours every right. single day out of my day? Yep. You know, doing what I'm told, like some robot, like, yep. you know. So when I saw him up there, I was like, wow, you know, he has a cool job. So I caught the bug. That's what they call it in this business, I guess, catching the bug. But I think I had caught the bug a long time ago because I, I, I was in a drama club in school. Mm-hmm. I never played sports in school. I was always in a drama club or I was doing video recording or something like that. So after I did TED, I ended up um, doing some indie films, and I met some amazing local actors. So how did you get to the indie films? Like, how did you find these people? So just uh, getting advice from people on set. That's really what you have to do. When you go on set, you really need to network with everyone. I mean, I I show everyone the most, I mean, the most respect. I mean, I respect the caterer just as much as I respect the lead actor. I mean, Mm -hmm. because everyone has an immense amount of information and, you know, we're all here to help each other. So talking to other people is how I found the, the other indie projects. They told me what sites to go to, what places to check. Um, so you went on to uh, like various websites to look like who was shooting what. Yeah, like I went on uh, who as a non-union extra. Um, I went on NewEnglandFilm.com. Mm-hmm. I found you know roles that matched me, that fit me, um, and I wound up you know getting some work. And I mean it wasn't a lot of work. You know it was very very inconsistent work because I'm literally I don't have an agent. I'm finding these things on my own. I'm looking on my own, searching every single day to find one thing to go on audition for that I might get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you really have to put in a lot of time and effort to search. But when you search, you'll find something. Someone will want to work with you. Um, and then I had to learn other things. So I had to learn about my headshots how important it is to have a quality professional headshot. Now, I was using my normal camera at the time and, you know, I had some sort of knowledge on photo shoots. Mm-hmm. So I thought um so I used to set up lights in my in my room and, you know, set up like a background behind myself and just use my digital camera and take my own headshots. And I found background work that way too. Um you won't find professional professional work that way, but just having going the distance to 
try and do something is a lot better than doing nothing at all. Not taking a shot with it's like a your lot camera, better than with your saying, phone or something yeah, like that. It's yeah. a lot better than saying I don't have any picture at all. You know. Yeah. So I did that, um, and I put together whatever resume that I could. I mean, I didn't understand formatting at the time, but I put together whatever resume I could. Yeah. So I always made sure that I had some sort of photo of myself and a resume. So when I went on these sites, and they asked to submit, I submit. Um, um, oftentimes, they're local filmmakers, local indie filmmakers who are, you know, starting off too, and they're all, you know, they're starting their production and, and they're growing too, and they're and they're willing to work with you, um, you know, so long as you come in with the right attitude and the right. Now, were these indie things paid? Yes. Uh, oh, okay. Some of them were paid. Um, because okay. I know very often they're not. Okay. So hold on one second. So some of them were paid. Right. A lot of them were not. Yeah. A lot of them were not. Because well, um, I worked for free, too, when I started as a grip PA. You know, it's just, it's tough, man. And that's one of the things about about this business that just, it just baffles me. I'm so against people working for nothing. Um, and I know there's going to be people out there that, you know, it's going to say, oh, Brandon Scales, you know, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, this and that. But I'm going to tell you now, if we can't find the money to, to, you know, okay, if we can't find the money to compensate people, then we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that our projects are going to help them in their careers and going to help ourselves in our careers. Or what are we doing the project for? Well, usually it's you get a... a you got stuff for your reel. Yeah. So yeah, let's say. let's or let's, cinematographer. Let's break down for, for the audience what you get. Okay. So normally in a posting you'll see you know casting you know for you know Project X and you know we need you know uh, uh, African American thirty to forty years old uh, you know slender build with, you know, experience in law enforcement, you know, to play a police officer, needed for two days on set. Uh, no pay, but you will receive credit, copy of the film for your reel, and food. Now, I just want to break down and tell people how I feel about that because I've posted about this before, okay? I don't want to take too much time on your show, but... No, no, that's what... This is what... People want. I like our show to be somewhat educational. Okay, so break I'm going to educate you. Okay, so this is my feeling on that. Number one, if I'm working on your project and I'm an actor and I meet the qualifications that you're asking for, okay, then automatically I should receive credit for being in a film. That comes with the territory. So that's okay. not pay. That's not pay. Right. Okay. Uh, copy of the work that I did. I mean, if my face is in it and I'm speaking there, I mean, I feel like I deserve copy of right. that. Right. I mean, at least a portion of, I mean, the portion that I'm in. Well, what are they going to say? We're not going to give you a copy or credit? Well... Yeah, no, I take your point. I hadn't thought about it like that. And then, food. Would you rather me leave the set <laughs> yeah. to go get lunch? Right. Risk, you know, getting held up in traffic on the way back and I hold the day up? Or not coming back at all? That's Perhaps. that's that's our job is to feed our people. Yes. Um, as producers. That is a baseline that anybody should expect going onto any film set you get fed. Yes. 
yes, you, yes. You, because you don't want them to leave. You really don't want them to leave no. and go because if one person isn't there, it affects everything. Yeah. Um, and so now credit, copy, and food. Okay. Now, why am I doing this project again? <laughs> Well, I guess people would argue to build your resume like you've not been okay. on camera before. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Now, I have not, you know, been on set. I don't have, well, okay. Let's say that I'm, 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 I'm completely new, okay? Let's just start there. I'm completely new. Okay. Then, if I'm completely new and I'm there, right, and I'm working all these hours, right, now, I'm not getting paid, but how are you able to have your cameraman? How are you able to have the camera? How are you able to have the location? Mm -hmm. How are you able to feed people? How are you able to... I mean, if you can't even pay me $30, mm -hmm. at least gas. I mean, sure. I think that that's reasonable. I think gas... Yes. If you're going to do credit, copy, pay, add gas... You should not be losing any money. Yes, yeah. that's that's the point. Right. You know, um, it should not cost me to get to your set and work for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I and you shouldn't look at it like, well, you know, I'm giving you an opportunity, right? Because then that becomes like extortion. I feel like it's like a form of extortion. Well, mm -hmm. I'm giving you an opportunity, so you should be cool with working for nothing. Grateful. Yeah. No. <laughs> not just cool actually with it. grateful. Smile with a great attitude and come yeah. in every day on time and be ready and do your role and I'm gonna ask you to, to, to pull these emotions out of you because your character is supposed to be crying. So I gotta have I gotta pull all these different emotions out of you to get you to be real on set and I have to take you to a place, you know, mentally. That's what a lot of you know, like people need to understand about actors. We have to go to a place emotionally in order to get you the work that you that, that that you need and 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 in order for us to do our job effectively we have to go to a certain place if i'm playing a father whose son is dying of cancer i have to be that man who's going through strife mm -hmm. who's hurting who's internally battling in order for it to come forth on in front of the camera in order to do that i me brandon not the character that i'm playing ralph me brandon i have to be Ralph. I have to. I have to live that and go through that, mm -hmm. and that takes a certain amount of strife on any person. Mm -hmm. Any person. Some some people play characters, and they they you know they take themselves to a mental place where they're in, unstable, and they can never come back. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people who play characters, and those characters change them. Mm -hmm. So, if you're asking me to do all of that for nothing, yeah. But just, that, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people, though, I know, and um, Boston's probably the same. But again, in New York, I mean, you, you'll get a lot of people who will respond to a free. I mean, they're just so desperate to get on camera. Which you know? I think is commendable. I think it's great. But but people shouldn't exploit that. I think that it becomes exploitable mm -hmm. because you know that these people want to get on camera. You know. Yeah. And if you're if you're just doing a project that you don't plan on doing much with, you know, then yeah. what is the point in wasting these people's time? Yeah, I, I think that we, as producers, we owe a, 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 a obligation to the people that's coming to work for us that if they come and they work for us, they're going to be a part of something that's going to help them, that's going to benefit them, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, not to get into our project too much, but 
I, you know, we paid people. Yes, we not did. a king's ransom, but we paid them. Yes, and uh, for me, that took a lot of the burden off of me because yes. now it's now it's professional. Yes, so you better be here on time. Yes, and no, I don't want to work you eighteen yes. hours. But people were very accommodating of that because it is so much, and you can talk about this. It's so much waiting around. Oh, like, it, it is, is, man. Just sitting there. <laughs> Because I've done a bit of extra work, I've done you know a little bit of acting, and it's a lot of waiting. Around. I mean, think about it. We're asking people to wait right? endlessly. We're asking them to wait and be there for us for when we need them to be right, and for them to be ready. Yep. Right. Yep. And then for that, we turn around and say, "Here's a handshake." Yeah. Uh, and credit copy and food. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the slices of pizza. We yeah. Right. <laughs> Have a nice day. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not. It, it just. It just doesn't make sense. So. Yeah. I mean, even with the movie that we worked on together, um, you know, it was hot in that place, man. Oh, brutal. I mean, we had to shut ACs off in yep. order for our, the the audio to, to come out correctly, mm-hmm. and we had those actors waiting there a long time. Yep. You know, but they were being paid. Yep. They we made sure they were taken care of. We made sure that they ate great. We made sure that we kept positive attitude and mm-hmm. we communicated with them and yep. we made sure that we completed the project and we made sure and they got to see it and they that got to see the it on the gratifying screen. thing yes. um and so yep. we that is that's what we should be doing that's yes. our responsibility i think so that you um yeah not only paid people but you asked them to do something that is hard for them to do and you're able to say here's your work Yes. Now, one of the things that I've been able to do as a producer in order for me to effectively work on uh, the the, the incredible movie HR, um, I had to put myself on to bigger sets in order to understand the dynamic of the business. So I would always say to actors and uh, background people who are aspiring to be, the purpose of going on set, you know, because I hear people say a lot of times, I hear you guys say, well, uh, you know, being an extra is is dumb. Extra work is dumb. You get nothing from being an extra, and, you know, it's just dumb. Um, if anyone says that to you, don't listen to them. Don't believe them. You never know where your opportunity is going to come from. You never know who you're going to meet. And really, every time you go there, your job is to learn. That is why you're there. Your job is to learn. Your job is not just to, you know, be in a costume and walk across the street as an extra. Your job is to watch. Watch the director. Watch the producers. Watch the PAs. uh, Talk to the catering person. um, You know, uh, talk to the, the hair and makeup people. You know, be positive when you're there really look at it like a privilege because it is a privilege we're doing what we love to do we're being paid something i mean even if it's minimum wage we're being paid something and most importantly we're learning and we're getting in front of the people who's able to change our life who's able to give us that that time so please guys don't say extra work is stupid that's how i got started some of you listening know who i am my name is Brandon Scales. I started off as a background extra and wound up with a role in three major Hollywood movies and a great working relationship 
with the Hollywood director Peter Berg. Yeah, so let's let's get so Ted two, and then did some indies, and then what what was the major? What was the kind of the first one that you went on? So I know you've done three with Peter Berg. Right? Yes. So let me just say this. So earlier I said to you guys about putting yourself in the right op, right positions to get the right opportunities, but you have to listen to yourself, right? Now I'm going to get into to how I met Peter Berg, but I would not have met Peter Berg if I didn't listen to myself. A few months before that, I got a call with my first offer in uh, uh, as a as a star in a movie. Uh, it was a movie um, that they were hiring a African-American serial killer and one of the guys contacted me and said hey Brandon you know we because uh, I, 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 I looked on New England film submitted for it because I found my own work and he hit me up hey Brandon you know uh, you have the look and this and you know this and that and you know we think you'd be a good fit to, 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 to play this character can we send you the script amazing yes you know send me the script so they sent me the script. I read the script, and it was just the most gory, sexual, just horrifying script that I had read, that I came across. And I had always said that I'm going to hold myself to a certain standard when I go for work. I'm not just going to play anything. I could be down and out and broke. Someone could offer me a million dollars to play something that I don't believe in, and I will not take the money because it's not about the money, okay? So I did not take that role. They said that they were filming in April of 2016, and, you know, they would need me and stuff like that. Didn't take the role. Now this was paid? Uh, no, it was deferred. Aha. Uh-huh. Deferred basically means if and when somehow possibly the movie makes money, we'll pay you. <laughs> I've heard the but D just word. Yeah. don't oh, expect yeah. it. Yes. No, it basically means you're not getting paid. Yeah. So now I'm not getting paid to play something that I don't believe in, that goes against my morals, that um, I don't want. <clears throat> I don't want to promote that. So I turned it down. So then, uh, Angela Perry puts up this post. Angela Perry, owner of Boston Casting, God bless her, love you, Angela. Puts up a post. Um, I think I heard her on the radio. Matter of fact, about this movie called Patriot's Day and they were looking for background extras to play FBI agents and so uh, uh, I was interested you know and I brought my little brother with me and we went and he he had he had uh, he wanted to play like uh, one of the doctors or nurse or something like that a male nurse but we stood in line it was like this long line going down Boston casting the uh, building made it inside a whole group of us they took a picture of us by like 20 20 of us at a time i was picked um out of one of those people to play a background fbi agent that's how i got on a set of boston of, uh, so they just go through and they like look at a block of people and they're like okay this yeah guy, because this guy. it was just like like a mass casting almost yeah they were looking for a bunch of people because i mean they needed joggers they needed you know, first responders, they needed all kind police off. I mean, they needed all kinds of people Yeah. because, you know, that, that marathon bombing, it's, it, it literally took an entire community mm-hmm. in order to, you know, settle that and to take yeah. care of that. Yeah. So that's how they picked us. So I got picked. I get brought on to set. 
and um, I'm there on my first day before I even stepped on a set I'm in wardrobe uh, one of the PAs comes and says uh, okay well back up real quick one of the guys goes over to one of the PAs and says we're looking for uh, someone to be a stand-in one of the stand-ins didn't show up for the day so PA found me because he felt that I met what they were looking for asked if I wanted to be a stand-in so I got upgraded on my first day on Patriots Day to be a stand-in because the other guy didn't show up. That's what I'm saying. The other guy doesn't show up. You yep. see, and you <laughs> and and listen. This was on a Friday, a Friday morning. If I had been at a nine to five, which you should have been working, which I should have yeah. been, uh, yeah. I would not have gotten that opportunity. Yep. So I'm there Friday morning. I'm a stand-in. When you become a stand-in, basically you stand in the spot of where the actor is supposed to perform or, or do what he's doing at so the camera people can set up the shot and they can get the lights set up. And so your face is on camera. Mm-hmm. So I'm back behind the scenes on Patriots Day now as a stand-in. And Peter Berg walks out of the room. Now, I didn't know... Peter Berg was the director of Patriots Day. I just I thought he was an actor in it, but I knew he was an actor because I had watched him as a child mm-hmm. in movies. That you know, me and him we have a whole personal thing. I talked to him about, but when he walked out the room, you know, um, I was standing with another stand-in, uh, Farah, and she was standing there with me, and we both were just like, "Wow, that's," and I was like, "Oh," and I I actually spoke to him and I said, "You." you was in this movie and you know he told me the name of the movie and we shook hands that's how I met Peter Berg yeah um that's how I met him and you know I could tell that it made him feel good because I recognized him from a movie that you don't you don't just see this movie it's called Aspen Extreme have you ever seen Aspen Extreme Matt? many years ago okay many many years yeah I was I was 12 years old no yeah 12 years old in a foster home when I watched Aspen Extreme, living down in Texas, yeah, and he his character is one that stood out to, to me the most in in the movie. So when I recognized him from that, I think he felt like, wow, this dude is like, <laughs> yeah, genuinely like, you know, it's a real happy for to people. see me, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think that he felt that, and so we wrapped for the day. You know, it was great. I got a chance to talk to him a little bit. We wrapped for the day. We come back on Monday, um, and uh, I'm thinking that I'm gonna get to be a stand-in again, and I get to like be next to him again as a stand-in. No, the guy came back to work. I went back to background. So I went back to background. It's fine. I'm not gonna get upset. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna get mad. I go back to my background spot, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking around. And I'm just noticing, like, just I'm just taking in everything. We're inside of this FBI warehouse, um, guys. Just bear with me. I'm, I'm I'm going I'm going someplace with this. We're going to this. We're 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 inside this FBI warehouse, and there's like pictures of like victims all over the table, and like people blown like blown apart, and like you know, and then like 
we all know this story. We we're from this area. We know what happened. We know there was a little kid that was killed in this in, in this like heinous attack. And uh, so I'm taking it in, and I'm just like, you know what, man? It doesn't matter if I'm a stand-in. You know, I'm here to do a job, and I started taking it serious, man. I started really being who I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about where the camera was, if I was on camera. I wasn't worried about if I was going to, you know, be seen or, or you know, how, how my hair looked. or All I was concerned about was doing this movie the justice that it needed to be done. You're invested. I was in it, man. And so, I don't know if that caught Peter Berg's eye. I have no idea. I don't know. But, Pete comes over to where I am and he's like, you know what? I want, I want, I want these, these people to say something. And I was one of the people. And he like went down the line. Like, you know, and I could tell from how his hands were like, you know, he was like making a square Type shot. Of, like the, the, the he was making the frame shot with his hands, and I could tell that this was going to be a fast pace scene. Like this was going to be fast. This wasn't like you know saying the line slow. Like he wanted this to be like the FBI's talking. Each person's like requesting something, and it's one person to the next. And so I I was watching him. That's how I knew what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. So. When he got to me and I said my lines, I nailed it on my first take. He goes, boom, that's it, that's it. Fucking A, that's it right there. Do it again, do it again. <laughs> that's a nice thing one to One more time. Yeah. So I did it one more time. Now, how many people are in this room? Uh, I want to say maybe about 150 to 200 people. And he's and talking to you specifically. Talking to me specifically. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, I said, so I said what I said, and then um, we wrapped for the day. Felt great, you know. People were coming up to me. Wow, man, that was incredible, and you know that was awesome. This and that, and you know, um, I s- started to learn that you know it's good to talk to people, but it's also good to just watch and observe too. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So I come back the next day, and I feel this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's Pete Berg. And he's like, come take a walk with me. Now I'm like, my heart's racing. I'm like, oh, man, wow. You know, this is, this is incredible. This is like, you know, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, he's like, you know, you're an amazing actor, man. And I was like, wow, thank you, Pete. And he says, you know, I have some more work for you today if you're up for it. And I was like, of course. Mm-hmm. So he asked me to go meet with the FBI because uh, they had the real FBI there. I, I'm telling you, they wanted to get this movie right. Yep. This was not the movie to try to be glamorous on or to try to, you know, uh, you know, be famous on. This was yep. a movie that was done for a purpose. Yep. So I meet with the FBI. I talk to the FBI. We go through things. He comes over and he asks me if I'm ready to shoot the scene. Um, told him I was ready. We shot the scene and it made it into the movie. So this the scene on the the next day, you had more dialogue, was more involved. Yes. So this scene was uh, pretty much me telling the FBI, you know, where to where to put things, what we were doing, um, you know, what our jobs were, uh, stuff like that. And I mean, I had shot some more stuff, also, 
Um, but I mean, they pretty much used everything that I did. So you showed up on a Friday to be a background. Yes. With no lines. No lines. Stand in the background. Stand in the with background. With your shirt and tie on. Yes, sir. And two days later, you have a scene in the movie. Two days later, Speaking man, I have, a, in the movie. I have a role in the movie. I mean, that that's, it's it's amazing. Like, uh, Rui had a great line. The best ability is availability. Like, you're there. Well, and you got to have it, too. you got to have some talent. I mean, you got to... I was going to say that. You know, now, you could, listen, you could... You have could, you taken any acting classes? Any? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. now, as a child, um, I did, I spent time in theater. Um, I learned from this amazing uh, woman, uh, Miss Youngblood, um, down in Texas. And, uh, you know, and I mean, I think that life experiences prepare you to be an actor, too. I have a lot of pain in my life. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. That helps me be able, you know, be able to call on these different emotions when I need to. Mm-hmm. I... I was, and it's also a lot, a lot about how you're raised. You know, I was raised as a Jehovah Witness. My, my grandfather was very strict. He he instilled work ethic and discipline in me. Uh, you know, not making excuses, mm-hmm. um, being up in the morning, being on time, uh, not talking so much, mm-hmm. um, listening. Um, you know, doing your job. Mm-hmm. So. It's it, it was all of those things, um, and plus, just opening my heart. And what I mean by that is, like I said, I'm looking down at these pictures on the table. This is the movie about the Boston Marathon bombing. People, it changed people's lives. People were affected forever for that, and. So I wanted to open up and be vulnerable. And, you know, I didn't want to get in front of that camera and tell a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be truthful and I wanted to be honest. Authenticity. Authentic. Yeah. You know, so when I was on that phone and I was speaking, I was really speaking, man. I was really requesting what I was requesting mm-hmm. with urgency. Mm-hmm. I should have had it yesterday, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. you know. And it's being able to open up where I think the act the actors are having a hard time with. Mm-hmm. They're they're worried about the glamorization of it, or they're worried about how they look, or the and, you know, and not just opening up and being truthful. Yeah. Well, you look at people like Paul Giamatti, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman when he was alive. You know, they do not look like movie stars. They're sort of the antithesis. Of movie stars, exactly. Not in the greatest shape, bit schlubby, but there's just something so authentic about them that it's like I can't. Danny DeVito. Yeah, like how many roles have I seen these guys in? But I am buying this role right now. Like even Philip Seymour Hoffman in Mission Impossible. Like yeah. I'm buying that he is an evil, powerful person that I should be scared of. Yeah. But you know I've seen him in like Boogie Nights. Where he's this dopey, very sexually confused boom operator. Yes. And you buy it hook, line, and sinker every single time. Every time, man. And, you know, it's like Robert De Niro said, you know, just don't do not do too much. You know, you think you have to do all of these things to be an actor. You really don't need to do too much. 
you know, start by memorizing the lines. Yeah, know your lines. How about that? Start by saying them over and over and over and over again. And then just digest it. I think that the issue is, and um, I think this is with about people want to be musicians or they want to be actors or they want to be whatever, a CEO. They're in love with the idea of it. They're in love with being on stage playing guitar in front of 100,000 people. And I, I used to play guitar. And that, but I never practiced or anything like that because I more loved the idea of being on stage in front of a bunch of people rather than really learning how to play guitar as yeah. a craft. Yes, yeah. Whereas with acting, like you better be willing to be alone in your room reciting your lines over and over, and you love that character, and it doesn't matter if nobody ever sees this movie, you're going to be that character. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, so after I got uh, Patriot's Day... Um, that was incredible, man. I mean, I got so much love and support from everyone. I mean, all you guys are amazing. Um, I've learned from some of the best in this area, man. And I can name a few. I mean, J.P. Valenti, um, just an amazing, incredible actor, um, you know, who's gone on to, 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 to pursue his dream. I mean, Jose Gonzalez, I've learned a lot from, from him as well. I mean, I could just, I can name a lot of people, um, and when when I got that, I mean, I got a lot of support from people, but I didn't. I don't have an agent. I didn't at the time. Still don't. Um, no manager. I'm still like struggling to find work mm-hmm. after I got that role in that movie. I thought that the floodgates are going to open and people were just going to be like, "Yeah, man, you're not represented. I want to work with you." and Blah, blah, but I mean, it didn't. I mean, I got a lot of support from the people around me, and that's why I say the people around you are important. Yep. You know, so somehow, man, I mean, through Boston casting, once again, um, I got onto a AT and T commercial um, as a background extra, and I'm. Um, um, I, I walk out from where Holding was for the extras and I hear this voice hey, hey I know you I'm just, I'm looking around and it's Peter Bird sitting <laughs> in a chair was that the AT&T commercial? that was the AT&T commercial he was directing it? he was directing the AT&T commercial I had no clue so it's a little known, uh, I don't think people know that much about like Spike Lee and whatnot. all those guys, they all direct commercials oh yeah man I shouldn't say all Make a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, Pete just directed a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, commercial for the Super Bowl. So he goes, uh, "Yeah, man, you're my secret weapon." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, thanks, Pete." He's like, "You look good." I was like, "Thank you, man." And so you know, we we shot the commercial. We had to get back to work. We shot the commercial. Um, after we shot, I went over to him, and uh, I'm standing there, I'm waiting for him to finish talking to people, and. One of the ladies, I don't know if she was his assistant or who he, who she was, but she said, "Oh, do you want to get a picture with him?" And you know, he looks over at her. He's like, "No, no, no, the, no. I'll talk to him. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to this guy." Yeah. And so uh, we talk. He's like, "Hey, man, what's been going on?" He gives me a big hug. Um, and so I told him, I said, "Listen, man, it's hard. It's hard to find work around here. It's, it's just not easy. I've, I've been looking. I've been searching." He's like, "Well, you've been looking outside of Boston," and I'm like, "Well." Yes and no. I mean, I you know I I don't want to tell this man that you know 
I don't have the money to travel or I don't want to make excuses like that, but yeah. I just yeah. don't. Yeah. So I said, you know, he's like, uh, well, do you work on your own stuff? I said, hmm, you know, I was working on something. He's like, you know, you really need to start working on your own stuff. You know, yeah. that's really what's going to keep you busy, keep you going. And, yep. and, you know, start looking outside. Like, he's just giving me advice, yep. telling me what to do. Yep. And, you know, he says, you know, when you get something done, you know, let me know. I said, cool. We leave. Several months later, toward the end of the year, 2017, I get a phone call from some number I didn't even recognize. And it was the Finn Cannons from Atlanta. They called me because they wanted me to offer they wanted to offer me a role in Peter Berg's new movie called Mile 22. And I was like, I didn't believe it at first. Like yeah. I just didn't believe it at first. But <laughs> right. I'm like, <laughs> this is this a prank? Some a hole. <laughs> we right. we finished a phone call. I looked these ladies up. I mean, they're Emmy winning casting directors calling me. So I get the script and I, they send me the script and I'm like, wow, this is real. And I end up on the set of Mile Twenty Two. Now that was down in Atlanta. Down in Atlanta. Um, you had a kind of a funny story about the hotel situation. Oh yeah, man. So <laughs> when they called they wanted to hire me as a local so guys what a local when they say they want to hire you as a local what that means is they want to hire they want you to live in the area where the production is so they don't have to pay to house you or 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 anything like that it's amazing how many terms and euphemisms come up to save money yes (laughs) yes hire you as a local (laughs) right Basically yeah. to say, uh, we don't want to have to pay for your hotel. Exactly. Um, so, what I was not going to do was tell them no. No. Oh, no, no, you can't hire me as a local in Atlanta so I can work on this new movie with Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg and God knows who else is going to be on it. No, right. I can't. I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. So, I told them yes. If we want to hire you, yes. Yeah. Uh, can you pay for it? Yes. Pay for your own flight? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Please yeah. just send me the script. Yes. Yeah. I'll figure out everything else. Yeah. Um, I had no idea how I was going to do any of this. I had no idea how I was going to get there. How I was going to pay for my own hotel or anything. I told these people yes. Now they're depending on me. Now they're relying on me. Now it's my reputation on the line now. Yeah. Now there's no way I cannot not make that now. And a lot of people can't deal with that fear and that pressure. Listen, I mean, honestly, the pressure isn't where you're going to get your next role. The pressure is after you get it, not letting anyone down. Yeah. That's the pressure. Yeah. When people believe in you yeah. and you let them down, that hurts. Oh, yeah. That hurts you. Yeah. Yeah. Not and just money or it's upon a personal It's level. not about the money, yeah. man. It's about this person believed in me and I let them down. Yep. How can they ever look at me the same again? Right. And so, you know, I took the role and, man, I read that script over and over, memorized it and memorized it. And I learned and studied for that part. And then they sent me another script, (laughs) (laughs) changed the lines, changed the dialogue. I learned that one, too. And then they sent me another one. So. But so I get down to Atlanta I had booked a hotel room at the Ponce Hotel. I wound up getting residual money from Patriots Day. That's how I was able to pay for my time down there. Yeah. So, 
that came in handy. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a decent amount of money, um, and I was able to pay for it. Somehow, divine intervention worked. I call it God. Mm-hmm. And the, the law of divine intervention said, listen, man, we want you down there. You know. Yeah. But that's not going to come sitting at home. I mean, no. you got to get out there and God helps those who helps themselves. You are completely right. Because it won't happen if you no. don't put it in. No. So I booked a room at this hotel called the Ponce Hotel. And I get down there and, you know, I went I went to Third Rail Studios, you know, uh, went and met with um, uh, uh, the wardrobe lady, Virginia, and we put on my wardrobe. I leave. I, so I told Virginia that. I was paying for my own hotel room, and I t- she's like, where is it? And I told her where it was, and she's like, the Ponce? I said, yeah, it's the Ponce. And so I I left. I took the train, to, took train and bus. I didn't realize that there's not a great subway system in Atlanta. So I, I take the, the train and the bus to the hotel. I get off the bus. The hotel is equivalent to a halfway house in Dorchester. <laughs> wow, how yeah. did I end up here? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be here for the next two weeks working on this incredible movie Ooh, two weeks. where I have to focus yeah. and play this character and I have to show up here every day. Yeah. The lady at the front desk was just the most rude lady. I mean, I, it, it couldn't have gone any more like a, 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 a comedy horror film and so I went out to go get something to eat there's guys out there asking me if I knew where the weed was <laughs> if, if I can get them pills I'm just like dude I'm just trying to get some dominoes yeah. and go pizza hut and go back to my room Yeah. then I get back to the hotel it's just like there was a roach in there uh, I call my friend JP I'm like JP man I cannot stay here, man. Is there any way I can come stay with you for the night? And he's like, dude, come here. You know, I'm down in downtown Atlanta. You know, I have a nice place. You know, you stay here for the night. And, you know, we can figure out your hotel tomorrow. Because I still had all my money. Yeah. I was just going to get a refund on that room. So I'm packing up my stuff. I'm getting ready to head to JP's. And I get a phone call from L.A. Hmm, this is weird. So, answer the phone call. On the other end, he's like, hey, Brandon, this is uh, Nick, Peter Burr's assistant. I'm like, hey, Nick, what's going on? He's like, yeah, man. Uh, so, Pete heard that you were, like, paying for your own hotel in Atlanta. I was like, yeah, man, it's just not working out. He's like, yeah, dude, we're going to actually put you up in the company suites. <laughs> there you go. And I'm like, wow, like, this guy, man, it's just like amazing mentor and just a great friend to me and yeah you know just just amazing and he says um we're sending a you know a ride over there for you now and so i said oh great he's like i said you know what i'm actually gonna go stay with my friend uh jp for the night um jp was working with marvel at the time and uh i said you know and then you know tomorrow you know we can take care of that he's like no 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 worries it's fine it's in this nice ride over over to uh, the Ponce for me, pick me up and uh, put me in the company suites uh, out there in Buckhead. It's Atlanta. amazing how Peter Berg, who has this whole thing going on, 
I mean, how many people would you say are working on this production? Oh, man. Oh, for definitely at least 100 people. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would assume with actors and extras and everything, that, that's got to balloon up to like 500 people. Yeah, I mean, I you're talking... Yeah. Something like that. And he focuses on you. On me, yeah. And saying, this guy is not being treated correctly. Yeah, man. Let's treat him correctly. You know, he's just... You know, and listen, they didn't have to do that. And honestly, I would have stayed at the ponds. Well, it's not even really Peter Berg's... Like, it's... There's... You know, he's a hired guy, too. Yeah. I mean, he's not the production. He's not, man. And so... But for him to do to say, like, hey, no way, man. You yeah. Know? I mean, it was just... It was just amazing. And really what it did was it just made me want to work harder. It made me want to do better. It made me not want to let him down that much more. And I'm sure... Not to be cynical about it, but I'm sure he understands that. Definitely does. You treat people well, they do a good job for you. What it does is is it makes me want to give those opportunities to someone else. It makes me want to pass it along. Yeah. Like, for him to look at me and, like, do that for me, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, like, I want to be like that. Yeah. Like, I want to be like that. I yeah. want to be just like him. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to, to help people and do that for people and you know, just be just an amazing person that he is, man. Yeah. Because, I mean, he did not have to do that for me. And so it meant it meant a lot to me. And, I mean, through him, I met all the celebrities, man. I mean, I met Ronda Rousey, who's just, like, an incredible, funny, just, like, great person. And, I mean, people that I, I used to watch on TV, I mean, I'm in constant contact with them. And you had that wonderful video with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, man. I mean, happy Mark. birthday to your daughter. It was just incredible. I mean, Mark did a video for my daughter. And, I mean, you know, Mark shows me so much love and respect and kindness. And, you know, I mean, just having those two in your corner, man, it just, it means a lot. You know, and I don't call on them that often because I want to find my own way. Yes. I don't want to have to say, hey, Pete, could you, I mean, I could easily, I could text him. I could easily say, hey, Pete, could you, you know, refer me to an agent? Pete, could you refer me to a manager? I want to find that for myself. I mean, he's done so much for me already. And I'm sure he understands that and he respects that. Yeah, man. I mean, he even gave me a role in his latest movie. Wonderland? Wonderland. Yeah. You know, which I just wrapped on, you know, about a month and a half ago. Um, Maybe two months ago now. Um, And it's just, I mean, for him to do that for me. Yeah. It's my third movie with him. Yeah. And he told you know, he tells me you know, I'm a part of the team now. And so none of that would have happened had I not made myself available, had I not been taking it serious, had I not um, show respect to everyone on set, mm-hmm. had I not respected the craft and the work, um, had I not been the good nature person that I that I always intend on being. And honestly, I cannot miss giving credit to the local filmmakers um uh, the local actors the people around me um all the people I work with that made me better you Matt um and I mean Angela Perry I mean and all the people at Boston Casting anybody listen this podcast is going to be coming to an end shortly listen if you want to get started the easiest thing for you to do is to go on to bostoncasting.com, sign up for a free talent profile, upload the, the most professional pictures that you have, some sort of resume for yourself, and submit 
to get on to set, submit to get on background work. Those ladies are amazing. Uh, the whole team over there is amazing. Um, they literally helped start careers. And honestly, if it wasn't for them, I would have never been on that set. And if it wasn't for Angela, um, you know, I, I probably, you know, none of us would have got got our start, you know. So uh, hats off to you, Angela, and uh, to the whole team over there. Great. This has been awesome, Brandon. And uh, I know... Thank you, Matt. It's just been an inspirational story, and I know uh, we, we do try to educate, and you've been wonderful about trying to get people to like it's not about being a movie star if you want to act then it is it's work. a job it's, it's sacrifice job. i learned that from denzel washington and listen they people who worked on equalizer 2 will tell you for denzel it is a job mm-hmm. you know you want to take pictures with denzel and, and you know you're being paid to be there you know then you may not be in the right place right <laughs> yeah you well know? he said something really uh we read fences in my classroom and then I showed them I didn't I showed them parts of the movie but I showed them an interview he and Angela Davis is it Angela Davis uh, Viola Viola Davis excuse me and uh they did this thing with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar they oh do a, yeah an interview. I love that brother and Denzel Washington said you know like th- that fences was not going to be a big money maker he does yeah. the other stuff and yeah so he can afford to do that. But he said, you know, if somebody invests $90 million, you got to produce. Like, yeah. he understands that. They they want their money back. Listen, and man, I mean, if you're there to take pictures and to be a fan, you know, maybe you should go stand across the street where uh-huh. the fans are behind <laughs> yeah. the yellow tape. Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you're here to work yeah. and you're here to do a job, realize that it's work. I heard Denzel say so many times, fans call him, Denzel, Denzel. And he's like, I'm working. I'm yeah. working. I'm working. It's my I'm job. working. Yeah, you know, and so actors, let's remember that producers, actors, up and comers, when you get on set, remember we're working. And be nice. Be professional. Being nice. Yes. Being kind. Yes. Is so underrated. It's how and you get your next job. Yeah, I, I've heard that about people who are just like. Wow, that person's easy to work with. They show up on time. Yeah, They're pleasant to everybody. You get referred in this job. I mean, uh, Matt got referred to us through uh, Gigi, Gigi Jackson. I'll talk about Gigi because I have to devote way more time to yeah, Gigi. Yes, yeah, Gigi. If you want to talk about positivity, <laughs> professionalism, yes, man, yes. shows up for everything yes. on time. Yes, knows all her lines. Amazing, and is the most supportive. Positive. Yep. And uh, she's just wonderful. You need your own whole podcast, Gigi. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I will say, I'm going to sit down with her and do one. But, I mean, that's how how it happens in this business. You get referred from other people who have established a relationship with other people. They refer you. They're putting their name on the line for you. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, being kind, like Matt just said, and being respectful and, and, uh, you know, those those are the things that's going to keep you long lasting. Those are the things you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not coming to set drunk uh, <laughs> that helps. You know, yep. yeah, you yep. know, stuff like that. Yep. Not 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 fighting with people and just being easygoing. Um, so just remember that when you get on set, guys. Yeah, kindness goes a long way. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Brandon. Thank and, you, Matt. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you to all our listeners, and we will be back at you. All right, everybody. Um, you'll hear from me next time.
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.